This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh, <laughs> it would be a wolf's fun, eh? Everyone, welcome to the latest Wolves Fancast episode. It's a Valentine's Day special. The only thing we're missing tonight is Graham Torrington for that bit of late night love. But yesterday we had a bit of early love from our Wolves team as we won 2 0 away at Tottenham. On today's episode, I've got with me Stu and Gully. I'll come to you first, Stu. Premier League away game that you've missed. Wolves have won. How good did you feel? Well, it- the um, the other one that I missed this season was Watford away, and we won that two 0 as well. So maybe that's the uh, that's the story. Stay if, away, if that happens, stay. Yeah, or well, if that happens against Arsenal as well, even better. They're a silly little rival that they're trying to cook up over a few comments. You're missing out yeah, on that it, one. Yeah, it was it was three weeks notice. Why the yeah. rearranged nonsense with it also? It was. I won't go into the original one because Kim's friend had it. So that one. It hey. was odd. Very odd. I don't like it at all. I was like pacing around like a trapped animal, in there. Yeah. Uh, thinking of things to do to occupy, occupy my time and not just drink on my own in the air. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, I don't like it, but it needs must sometimes. What did you think of, um, I don't want to say performance, Gully, but just the current status of our club? Just go with it. The current status it's of this club. It's just people say, like, "No, look how we were. Look how far we've come in five or ten years." <laughs> and now we're, we're I, on the cusp of another European adventure. I mean, for all the reasons we'll probably go in on during about the game, about the performance, everything. I just think this is the best Wolves team we've seen. You know, beyond anything, Nuno probably showed us as well. Um, I'd say. I just think there are, there are certain elements to it that I appreciate a lot more than under Nuno's tenure. I, and that's not to discredit what he, he produced at the club, being a phenomenal success over the last three or four years. But going away to Spurs and just looking in total control uh, for the majority of the game. Yeah, this is the standard one. It was just exceptional. Right, we'll, we'll we'll do what we do normally. Start with the uh, starting lineup. A few people, will, I don't think our, our admin team actually predicted Luke Cundles to start because it was a brave decision, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, he's been he's been pushing for it, and we've seen him for five ten minutes here and there. But again, that was it was a shock. I didn't expect it whatsoever. I, I thought, well, if he's going to do that, then we'll see a situation like we did before. We didn't dunk on, on the wing, which we talked about endlessly a few weeks ago. Um, it was like that or Trincao. And looking at it, thinking, well, okay, we're going to Spurs. We've beat Spurs before with a, a five-man midfield, so it makes sense. But 
And oh, Brereton Diaz has nearly scored it offside. Damn, live updates there. Um, but yeah, it was shock. But again, we've all been kind of waiting for it to happen. <clears throat> He's been kind of bigged up by Bruno as this the next big thing, and that the players have total trust in him. So from that point of view, it was almost like, well, okay, let's see what he can do then. And to drop him in on a game like this, away from home, the importance of it as well, coming after after the Arsenal game, I was shocked. No, Brainer, gully that Ryan out, Nori came back in for Marcel. No, I, I think, well, I, I say it's a no brainer. You say it's a no brainer. I think when we play with the three in the middle, it's even more important that we get more out of our wing backs going forward. Um, they, they provide that extra bit of width. They haven't got a player in front of them to necessarily link up with like they would normally. So, yeah, 100% the right call to, to get out Nuri because, um, you know, we need them to to really push against their the opposition wing backs as they were uh, this weekend. And uh, he's very good at, at pressing high. And uh, when he gets the ball, you just expect a little bit more to happen because he's he's a more capable forward going thinking player. We'll talk about um, his performance a lot more in depth as the episode continues. But I think a lot of Wolves fans wouldn't have wanted Den Donker starting after the game against <laughs> Arsenal, Stu. Yeah, I know you, you're aiming that one straight at me and rightly so because I proper slagged him off. And again, there were people on Twitter afterwards saying, well, oh, you me in particular said about how, how poor Raul's been and Dendonka, other than Brentford away, has been pretty atrocious at times. But again, in a system like this that works for him, he played really well. So, hands up, you, you, you could only... You can only see what's in, say what's in front of you, and he had a great game. I think having having Kundal there as well, doing what he did, um, could have freed him up a little bit, and he wasn't as caught as like. And he actually playing f- forward passes as well, which is not really something you've associated with Dendonka most of the time. There's a couple of great ones, and one that led to the goal. There was a small clamouring on Twitter. I don't, I'm not sure if you saw it, Gully, of um, people. Asking if Raul should be dropped and Fabio starting. What what was your thoughts on that? Well, I think you know we've we've been saying it for weeks now. To be honest, that he's uh, he owes us a bit of a performance. Um, I wouldn't have been averse to it if I saw it. Um, I'd, I'd I'd have been not necessarily keen for it, but if if that was the decision Bruno made, I'd have backed him on it and and, and been like, you know what, Fabio's um, shown flashes again in the brief appearances that he's made. Um, yeah, you know, maybe not quite at it against Norwich in the cup, but we all know he's got a knack for getting into good positions. He would struggle, I do think, in in a two up top. So, um, yeah, I, I prefer it if Fabio has a couple of guys around him to to play off. But Raúl has needed to pick up his performances recently, so you couldn't necessarily argue argue with those calls. But I guess uh, we'll get onto it. But he he answered them to a certain extent. We had a bit of depth, obviously, with Fabio on the bench, but it was great to see that Johnny Otto made his return to the match day squad. If you take a look at that subs bench there, John Ruddy, Keanu Hover, Marcel, Johnny, Toti, Trinko, Fabio, Chiquinho, and the return of He Chan Wang, this squad's starting to come together, isn't it, Stu? It looks like an actual proper Premier League squad there. <laughs> and not just a, you're going to patched up two keepers on the bench youth team that he has for the vast majority of the season. That picture of Johnny there on the right is a bit of an expression that we're all 
sharing <laughs> whilst looking at that bench, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's so like a, it's like a. Is it real? It's like a, it's like a pack, it's like a pack of polos. It's uh, got a lot of good stuff in it, but there's a big hole in the middle, uh, specifically oh. midfielders. It's quite interesting to see, to be fair. Do, it do they still it, do citrus polos? Citrus ones, I think. I think. Well, I can't say I've bought a pack in, in recent times, but I wouldn't be surprised. That was a high school sort of staple part of my, um, I was going to say my my diet, but it was it was regular. Um, part they of weren't better than the mint ones. Trip. Oh no, there was the citrus ones. Was the ones back in high school? Do citrus you, uh, polos or campinos? I know I when we had um, campinos. We had um, some sugar free sugar free polos. The ones um, when we had a, a tour of Granada Studios and. Um, they're saying, oh, don't eat them all, eat all of them because you'll have a, they'll have a laxative effect. Naturally, they did, didn't they? So that was a, that was a lesson learned. Because they're replaced with the sweetener or something like that. Must, must have been something like that. So yeah. if you eat a whole pack of them, I mean, this, you talk about like, not, it was when, um, it was when Phantom Menace came out because the, the only thing that I bought, cause you know, when you, you normally go on these, when you went to the school trips, you come back with a rubber or a ruler that you never used. There was, um, there was a, a shop selling actual proper things, and I, bu- I bought little um, Qui Gon Jin from um, Phantom Menace, and it had only been out recently, so it was, must have been around about ninety nine. So, I, I, just for clarification, I don't think you'd be able to. You'd have to shit yourself now if you had sugar free polos. It's probably better now, um, but back in the day, it was uh, it's very very lethal. Speaking of shit, Hugo Lloris, uh, <laughs> after six minutes. <laughs> Played a, a massive hand in us going one nil in front. Raul's um, strike on the volley was was beautiful, wasn't it? But absolutely calamitous defending from from Tottenham Gully. Obviously, do you think that's sort of uh, belonged at Sunday League level? I, I I I couldn't tell you what he was thinking. To be honest, it it the way I describe it is it looked like the kind of thing an outfield player would do playing in goal. You see, you know, the ball's gone somewhere near them and they just flap at it and get it away, get it away. You know, someone like trying to swat a fly as if it's bothering them that much. Um, but it all started with the um, the back pass from Doherty and then he tried to, he played it to Ben Davis, put him into the, into that the, was the second goal. Oh, second goal, sorry. Yeah. That was second he was, goal. He, he was just shit, you guys, Lloris, considering he's won the World Cup. How shit he was yesterday was unbelievable. But he has he has games like this all the time though. At least at least four or five games a season, he he, he turns into <laughs> well, who do you even I mean that guy who played for Comoros, the left back? I mean, the, the, a couple of saves he pulled off. You are right, Gully. I mean that that the second one, the first one from Neves, fine. He's seen it kind of relatively late. He's parried it pretty shitly anyway. But then the second one, God knows what that was. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. I was more annoyed with Dan Donker not ca- catching it at all. You think it's a really good chance that, um, and he's just <laughs> hit it into the ground. Lo and behold, it's all worked out very nicely. Um, but yeah, maybe Raul needed a little bit of luck to to get himself back into the groove uh, from a goal scoring perspective. Anyway, most definitely, you said at the start of the show that he's um, we've needed a performance from him. How, how did you rate his performance over the period yesterday, Gully? I think. He still showed signs of rustiness. There were a couple of passes in behind where he was off target and, and situations where we could have really been in, in, in promising. 
promising goal-scoring positions. But the, 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 what, the one thing that bothers me most with him at the moment is he turns into trouble quite a bit. Now, Tottenham in their back line were pretty terrible, but Christian Romero looks a good player to me, to be fair. Um, and he's aggressive. So you're not going to get a chance to turn against him. But Raul kept trying to turn, um, which when he's on fire, when he's playing well, he, he seems to do quite nicely. But sometimes you just need to hold the ball up a bit, mate, and um, relieve the pressure. And he, he wasn't quite doing enough of that for me. It's when, when he turns into it and then kind of throws his arms up and sulks. That's the problem for me. Because before he kind of he'd battle, battle and try and win it back. He hasn't been doing that. And like an example, like the um, the shot in the second half, he, if he was on form, he did that first time. No question about it. And in the end, it ends up trying to lure a penalty in, and then Lloris actually did, does save it in the end. But that he dallied on that a bit too much. And you take his goal away, and yeah, it's a better performance, but it's not brilliant. No, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't call it back to his best. No. So let's go back to what I mentioned a few minutes ago. Matt Doherty plays uh, back pass to Hugo Lloris. Hugo Lloris tries to do a through ball to Ben Davis towards his own corner flag. Just calamitous. <laughs> just, just talk us through it again, Gully. I, well, to talk us through it from a positive point of view, our own, you know, it was a good press. You know, we, we got them into a situation where they, they're, they're moving the ball into places they don't necessarily want to move it into. And it was well executed. I think you know, the, what I said um, after the game was that Tottenham looked like a team that had been scrambling for a few signings, basically. They didn't get what they needed. Um, maybe they were looking for a centre-half, I'm not sure. But they look like a team that aren't quite sure of themselves and are probably shit scared of their manager as well. Um, which I yeah, I don't necessarily blame them for that. Um, but they played like kind of trapped by that fear. And you know, you you gotta take advantage of that. And we're not a pressing side in, in in real terms. I don't think we're necessarily you know going gung-ho at teams, but when we see the opportunity, we execute it well. And that's what led to winning the ball back. And I think the point from there onwards was we made good decisions uh, when we did win it back and that ultimately led to the goal being scored. We had yeah, quite we a few of... chances before we got the second, didn't we? But like I said, a, a, a bit of, quite a lot of pressure in their, uh, in their own box and Pardon should have maybe scored before Den Donker actually put it away. I mean, Hugo Lloris's uh, face there says it all, really. They're, they were just petrified of us yesterday. <laughs> He's, oh dear. He can't, well... So you can't blame him, but he, even that, it was kind of hesitant goalkeeping when it came back to him. He was, he wasn't really forceful, was he? I know he, he it's been a bit harsh, but even so, I mean that I, I can't just look at that face now. It's it's putting me off. Um, <laughs> but we didn't mention the ball that Doherty, the Doherty passed back in the first place, came through Kundal playing a through ball, then the line to eight nil, <clears> and. To have the the confidence to do that kind of thing that early in his debut as well, and you say, "Golly, we we're not a pressing side, but we do press when we need to and when we see the opportunity to do so." And as soon as as soon as he did, as soon as he cocked up, they were on him, which yeah. we've never seen ever. What I, what I will say, kind of about the scoring of the goal, though, is that. There, we 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 earned our look a little bit on it because if you think about Pedence's shot, it it got blocked by Sanchez. It then hit his own man running towards his own goal, came off the post, 
and then landed <laughs> right at Dead Donkey's feet. And to a certain extent, you need something like that to go for you. I, I still think the Arsenal goal in the week, there's a lot of luck involved in the ball. You know, Lacazette flicking the ball towards goal, you know, beating Saar to it and, and it just landing at Gabriel. You know, little things like that. You just need him to run for you sometimes. And that, that happened uh, against Tottenham. So, thankful. It was great to see Den Donker actually back on the score sheet um, yesterday because he has been thrust into the number one scapegoat this season, hasn't he? I mean, yesterday, frustratingly, he's still one of our most furthest players forward when we get into attacking areas. And that's not his game, is it? But when he gets on the sheet, people are saying, oh, that's not 8 out of 10 performance there by the lads. But <laughs> that's not that's not his, his, his game, is it, to be getting goals every every now and then? Yeah, he's, he's been. When they try and turn him into Dave Edwards Mark II, it never works. <laughs> you, but, you keep saying Dave Edwards like that's an aspirational thing. It is. It is good. No, David, no. Championship, championship Dave Edwards is an excellent thing. I'm telling you now, people need to go and have a look at Dave Edwards' goal scoring record back when he was um, at Wolves in a successful team. It weren't that great, I'm telling you. Championship Dave Edwards is think, something to aspire to. In a as terrible a football up. team. In a terrible football team. Doesn't matter. <laughs> that kind of uncertainty, the skulls roll as we kind of oh, God, <laughs> Jesus, over no and over again. <laughs> You're going to corner it on Valentine's Night and talk about Dave Edwards, well, do we? Um, <laughs> but no, I think he's, it's not his game. And when he when he's left alone to do his actual things that he's good at, he's a decent player. There's a decent player in there, but he's kind of been. When he tries to do things he can't do, that's where the problems start, and he's done that way too much this season. And that might not be down to him, but again, you can only it, go on what you see. Isn't the the source? I mean, we all know social media is toxic, but the negativity that Den Donker gets is massively unwarranted, isn't it? You've got to look at the owners for not replacing his role within that team. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, it, I find it mad though. Like people are calling him out as the worst player in the Premier League. It's disgusting the negativity that lad has. He's been a great servant for this club, and because he's not a goal scoring midfielder and he's being asked to be a goal scoring midfielder, it's it's a disgrace. What I will say is that when we play with the two in there and we play with the three in there, you can see which role suits him far better. Now, clearly, at the weekend on Sunday, he played in his more preferred role, he's able to get about and you know, he, he did well to get on the end of one and, and, and score, but he also broke up play pretty well. He tracked his runners, all the all the basic shit that you would notice about a player not doing. And then you'd moan about that. You know, he does relatively well. He's never going to be a shining example of a Premier League mid- midfielder. He's just not. But we, we shouldn't be expecting things from him that he's never done. You know, when he was a good player for us, people will, will tell you, Second half of that first season, when he came into the team, he had a real big impact when we changed our shape. He came in as a third midfielder and he helped us go on a run of form. And people will tell you that, you know, that was Den Donker, that was a really good player then. He's no different to that in my eyes. He's exactly the same player he was. But all of a sudden, because apparently we should be expecting more from him, you know, all of a sudden he should be silky or dribbling round or being creative and sliding through balls in and getting on the end of every cross that comes into the box. Yeah. Now he's apparently he's not good enough. I, I don't I don't buy it. 
Is this is the same player in a three, like you just said? But I think it was when we moved to a two in midfield, and it was the whole that whole six months where it was Dendonka plus one. He was great then. He was great, but then we haven't had that for the last eighteen months when he's played in a two. That's I don't know what why or what the difference is, but it, it just doesn't seem the same when he's in a two. And it it's no coincidence that we had a three at Brentford played really well, and he was like like you said. A few weeks ago, when he was turning up near the corner flag, running past the past the wing backs, creating space. Again, he was doing it today in a, yesterday in a three. So, if we leave him to with being in a three, no problem whatsoever because it, it clearly works for him. And that's a question moving forward. Who, if Martinez constant is going to be out for a while, that we don't know at this point. Do you do you play Neves and Kundal together in a two? It'll be a big ask. Bruno did mention yesterday that Martinho is more than likely to be available for Leicester. Did I hear that right? I don't recall I don't... the conversation, to be honest. But I'm, I'm sure that's what I read. That it's not a, it's not a, a serious injury that he's, he's hoping to have him back for Leicester. But let's talk about the future. Ballon d'Or winning the Kundle. <laughs> uh, we said earlier that it was it was brave to start him, but. In hindsight, now, not there's no bravery needed, was there? It's like he's played the whole season. It was a, it was quite ridiculous how he just. It was a bit like Toti when he when he just slotted in like, like it's no big deal. It was exactly the same, and I think the, the thing for the audio listeners there: twenty six passes, twenty four passes completed, forward passes seven. But there were people on the people on Twitter said, "Oh yeah, but he, he did the simple thing and he only passed sideways and backwards." Well, no, clearly he didn't, did he? You go, you and, go down one more there, Stu. Final third passes completed, six out of twenty-four. Yeah, and that, that's what I was saying earlier about how the, the the through ball for the second goal came about from him, and for a player making his debut in a place like that against a team like that, it was incredible. You you you'd never in a million years think he was nineteen years old making his debut. I did. Look, I, I, I mean, I like what I saw. He's fine. He's clearly being brought up in the Wolves' way. He's basically, you know, his senior kind of experience, whether it be with the academy under twenty threes, you know, play, training with the first team. He's going to be ingrained in him, you know, how we play football. So, I think what you saw from him yesterday was that he's totally at ease with the system and he understands exactly what's being asked of him. That is the kind of environment you want to bring a young player into because it makes their life so much easier. You know, you don't want to bring him into a mess of a football team. Uh, you know, I remember like Conor Ronan coming into the team <laughs> under like Paul Lambert. And, you know, that's not the kind of environment that's going to allow a player to flourish at all. You know, Gibbs White coming into, you know, a shit team in the second half of last season. You know, it, 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 to be fair, he played okay. But at times, you're just not 100% sure about you know, where you should, what runs you should be making, that kind of thing. So I think he was in a safe spot because he was in part of the midfield three and clearly we're a more well-tuned team than, say, Tottenham. And he was, I do think he was a bit safe with what he did, which is fine to be expected. It's his debut. He's going to be nervous, but he did exactly what was asked of him. And, and the key bit for me was when Tottenham were trying to play the ball forward, those couple of interceptions that he made, you know, the, the kind of balls he picked up in, in areas where we could then get the ball moving forward again and get into the opposition final third. That's where I think, um, you know, he showed uh, 
uh, uh, some good game intelligence and 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 good uh, tactical kind of nous. It reminded me a bit of you know when when Foden um, started playing instead of David Silva, like because he trained with him for ages and ages. And there were like glimpses of the similar kind of player. It was a bit like that with Matinho, with him at times. Obviously, n- nowhere near the same level, but like you were saying about being ingrained in the walls, where you could see the influences there from. You, you can see them almost, you know, yeah, like you say, not the same level, but in terms of their stature, their qualities, yeah. they look like that. Like, it looks like Kundal's going to go that way in terms of does a little bit of everything, gets about, but he has a bit of quality on the ball as well. So yeah. promising for sure. What my thoughts were on Kunda was he he wasn't outstanding. He was just massively assured in everything that he did. He he didn't look sort of overawed by the situation, considering I think he put on his Instagram that he'd never had a feeling like that in his life playing in that game yesterday. So you knew how important he was, but he didn't look overawed. There was never really a moment during the game that I thought our midfield with him were being out-battled or the, the physicality was too much for him. Looking towards less, obviously we'll do a bit more of a preview show later on in the week. If Matinho is fit, does it does he come back in for either of you, Gully? I think I think yeah. It, it, you look at the way you want to play, really. Yeah, Bruno made a conscious decision to go with the three this uh, this time around because you know they looked at Spurs and the way that they're playing, it, and it clearly was the right system to go with. Leicester, I think, are a team you really want to, you know put your foot on their throat a little bit at the moment. They're a, they're a bit vulnerable. So I'd prefer to go with an f- extra forward option. Um, and I well, think... King Sacrifice on our Twitter did ask, is, is a permanent formation switch from 3-4-3 on the cards after yesterday? Well, I, I thought... You automatically think playing a 5 on midfield is going to be more negative, but the amount of chances that we had and the amount of shots that we were getting away... I, I think thought, well, it was the amount of bodies that we had in the box yesterday, which was noticeable for me. Yeah, and they highlighted that on match today too. Then we're like, we had seven players in, in the opposition half at times. And it's not necessarily... I mean, it, yeah, it might be worth better away from home against teams like that Tottenham are shit. But Leicester are no great shape. I watched them yesterday as well. And they were, again, very suspect at times. And like I said, you want to stamp on the next, but... You could do that in a five-man midfield. If we're gonna if we're gonna open teams up and create as much space as we did against Spurs, then I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say no to it again. I mean, it, it worked. It worked wonders against them. So we'll see. It, it's not. I wouldn't rule it out as being a, a bad thing if we started that game at three-five-two. Let's just say that. Agree with that, Gully? Look, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. It's a bad thing. I just prefer to see it where you know it's 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 a way of trying to dominate territory as much as anything. Um I know against Spurs we did that as a consequence of probably them not being very good, us being able to win the ball back on you know as many occasions as you can recall, probably in the first half that we played this season. But that was probably more consequential because of them being pretty shit, I think as much as us, you know, playing, you know, a, a good game, they were they were they were pretty terrible. I genuinely think that, and they allowed so much space for us to play into. I think, uh, I don't know, it's 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 an interesting one because the the three in midfield helped us win the ball back, and I felt, but you felt like if we had an extra forward in there, 
we'd be able to take advantage of the attacking situations we had a little bit more as well. So it's a bit chicken and egg because um, you, you lose one without the other. And I just think I just think Leicester are, are there to be taken advantage of and you want an extra forward on the pitch. I had a bit of a debate with, with some of my friends yesterday. I was trying not to be heavily walls biased, but Ruben Nevers and Yuri Tielemans, who, who's the better midfielder out of those two? They're different players. And you can't really... I think Tielemans is better in the final third, but I think Nevers is so much more well-rounded and the sort of money that Tielemans has been uh, touted for in the summer. We've got to be looking similar in my eyes. I don't think there's a conversation there at the moment. I think it's just, it's quite simple. You know, Ruben Nevers is our most instrumental player. We are... Where are we in the league, guys? Just remind me. You know, where are Leicester? It's it's it, it's quite simple. If he's their most important midfielder, uh, he would be um, more influential on the way that they're playing at this point in time. I know they're not very good at the back, clearly, but I think I just think Ruben Nevers is. You take him out of our team, you take the kind of the soul out of it. Really, it's it's, it's just that he's just that important. You know, if Nuno hadn't been a complete moron and signed Tielemans when we had the chance, that would have been it. That would have Imagine been a that midfield. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? That would be lovely. I mean, Tielemans was spraying passes similar to Neves yesterday. I think he sprayed <laughs> one to Harvey Barnes, which um, he assisted for the second goal. But it's like what I said, the, the amount of money that Tielemans is being touted for in the summer, if someone is going to sort of try and poach Neves, we've got to be looking for similar. There's just yeah, no you're, doubt in it. You're looking at 80 million plus, ain't you? Easily. I think he's only one year left on his contract as well, I think, isn't there? So how are they, how can they even command a fee like that, really? Well, they, 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 um, Mr Romano has said that he ain't signing a new deal either. So exactly. they're in the Triora situation like we were in the summer. So I just hope they don't sack Brendan this week because uh, we could do with him being in, <laughs> in charge. I mean, let's let's get that top four place and we'll get Tielemans and Nevers in the summer, eh? Let's get back okay. to it's... yesterday's game. Man of the match, guys. Rich did his uh, Forza Football uh, player ratings there. Any sort of ratings there that stand out for you? Got Luke Kundalai, Ruben Nevers, eight and a half. I'll come back to you. I'll come to you first, Gully. Uh, Rowling, when there's eight out of ten, what would you have given him? No, I, th- I think you give him a seven for finishing, you know, his chance off. But I still think he's he's in. I don't think if you ask Raul Jimenez if he was happy with the way he played yesterday, I think he'd probably tell you himself he wasn't still wasn't quite at it. It was a good finish, you know, chance that was given to him, you know, a bit of a gift, but still more to come from him. Hundred percent. Did Kilman stand out in the back three for you, Stu? I thought he was a man of the match by an absolute mile, <laughs> but I think he was even in debate. I think Rich has been quite uh, diplomatic there, putting so many people as an eight point five because I thought. Super Kilman was just well. He was. I mean, that that one where he where he, he won the ball back and then dribbled past about three blokes before getting felled on the halfway line. You think, well, this is not normal, is it? It's not normal behaviour, <laughs> especially for a, a centre half playing on the wrong wrong side of his natural area, and then especially for Wolves as well. I thought he was he was in he was immense yesterday. I think he's probably one of the be- better games that he's had. And again, he pulled off a, a, a wonder tackle in the box, which. <laughs> The confidence is just to do that. Superb. I love the way he just kind of 
picks on a team's most dangerous attacker, you probably say, yeah, I mean, between Son and Harry Kane, you know, it's a bit of a toss up. And he just picks on him, sticks him in his pocket, and says, you know, try and fight your way out of it because, you know, he didn't have a sniff really. I made my opinion clear after the Arsenal game that I thought it was it was Kilman's worst game of the season against uh, sorry against Arsenal, but I thought his bravery yesterday, bringing the ball out of defence, like I said, with that one interception, I think um, when Kane was through, it, he easily was our best defender yesterday. You mentioned just about Rich being uh, quite complimentary to a lot of the teams. Seven and a half, eight, Nori. I don't think eight Nori did anything wrong yesterday. I don't think he was. Seven, it's a bit high. I think you, you're talking about six and a half, really. Same as same as Raul. And I don't think Pedenza had that brilliant a game either, even though he got himself into a few decent chances and put himself out about to be. Um, we're going to give him an, an eight. I thought Samado, 8.5. It's a bit high. I think he's he's done this straight after the game, eh, when he's, he's, all, he's all hyped up. Um, all a, a bit high for me. But yeah, Kilman... Kilman and Neves would would have been my two. I think the bottom line is we don't have to be that good to beat Spurs these days, do we? <laughs> I think I anyone mean, needs to be that good to beat Spurs. Yeah. But I think I mean, it was him, just Jimenez a... loves scoring against Spurs, doesn't he? Then the, the goal at Wembley, the, the two previous away fixtures, he, he loves playing against Tottenham, doesn't he? I don't love yeah, how mate. last year's just been just ignored completely. <laughs> it doesn't count. Didn't yeah. happen. Behind closed doors. Well, Raul didn't play, so you know yeah. it's uh, it, it's a fate to complete. But yeah, long may it continue. So, what, who was your man of the match, Gully? Yeah, I th- I'd probably say. To be fair, I think Saar was was pretty good, even though he had sort of a couple of dodgy moments. Like it, he he just he's just that keeper that I think I think strikers are, are in a position now where they think you know what we know this bloke is difficult to beat. Yeah, there was a situation with Kane. Got in behind. Um, it was kind of down the left channel, and if you watch Sars positioning, he looks confident as he approaches situations like that, as if he knows that you know the striker's going to be thinking about this really hard. Like you know, clearly he's a a goalkeeper in form, and it's almost as if you know. I I think you can see a goalkeeper working out where he thinks the striker's going to put the ball, whereas Sars just like. I'm going to stand up big and I'm stay tall. Your it's your job to beat me. I'm not going to second guess yet. And uh, his position is really, really good as well. I, I, I enjoyed the comedy moment of him pretending that he was going to catch the ball, letting it bounce <laughs> off his chest as if he had time to just kind of let it sit in the box and then pick it up later. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's a, he's a character as well, isn't he? I suppose. Yeah. I think that that's the it. that's the kind of thing that I was a little bit trepidatious about it in the summer because. I, then he he'll do some ridiculous things like two or three times in the course of the season where like he was clearly thinking of the next thing to do rather than just just catch the ball in that point where you think well I mean it looked horrendous the conditions so to be trying to chest it down in his own box with so many people around him and then just slip off his chest and then it could have gone badly wrong but yeah he's um I think when he had a, a bird of prey on his arm. In the, in the winter break on holiday, I think that just sums him up. I mean, what I don't really like burn marketing our players out, but if, if a bigger a bigger team, because we're pretty much already a Champions League team on the way now, a bigger mm-hmm. team comes in for him in the summer. What sort of money do you look for from 
Jose saw. He's tied down for a few years now, isn't he? So I, you know, name your price kind of thing. It's it's what are you willing to pay? I think is what you'd ask of a club. You wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily sit there and give them a number. I think you'd say, look, if you're that desperate, then you'd you'd chuck 35, 40 million at us. Yeah, and even even that's is he worth that to us? No, he's worth more than that. At the Um, moment. Yeah. I mean I'll go back to the whole thing of how much Kepper cost. And I know that was because he was younger and everything. But you look at what a shambles he started out as, and yeah, he's kind of better now, and they've got two decent keepers now. But still, 72 million quid for a keeper like that. You're talking at least 50 for Jose Sada in the form he's in. He's the best keeper in Europe at the minute. Stocks as high as it's ever going to be. In in a team where he has to actually make saves. Like, yeah. you know, now and then, like, rather than one of these teams that dominate the ball entirely. Yeah. We've we've conceded less than Liverpool in the Premier League that this season. Is that correct? Yeah. So basically, Kilman's better than Van Dijk. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> oh yeah, but that's that was that was obvious anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, Cody's better than Matip. Trent Alexander's all right, but we'd, we'd prefer Samado anyway, I mean, wouldn't we? On a serious note, again, Cody is just so assured right now. He doesn't he doesn't never looks flustered like he did at certain points. Like he, he's just becoming very very classy at the back. Maybe he's kind of turned Luke Cunliffe to his own little project. I'm picking him up. <laughs> we'll have a quick little break and then we'll talk about whether we're going to finish 4 or 6. Hi, it's Richard from Wolves Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some question or opinions and opinionated questions. Talk to you a little bit about our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media, Veil design agency that put you and your business first from web design, logo and branding design and marketing. If you have any marketing needs, get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right. They are over at pixelyetimedia.com. Now let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay, niche cultural references and maybe even a bit of football talk. Welcome back to the Wolves Fancast, a part of the 90min.com network. Big win yesterday, which took us above Spurs. They've got a game in hand on us, but guys, four points off West Ham with two games in hand. Could Wolves be playing in the Champions League and Adam will be playing in Europa next season? <laughs> Could. Could is the word. I don't think so. I don't, even, even in our maddest dreams, I don't think so. Just we're because very, of... We are, I know we're the most bipolar fan base in the world, but is fourth achievable? I... <laughs> Again, you you can't just say, I guess, it is it achievable because everything is going to rest on how everybody else performs. You can't, uh, you know, we, we, we're not in control of our, you know how Arsenal get on apart from the one game we have against them in a couple of weeks' time. There's literally only three points to play for against the teams around us. So I think what you've got to ask the question of is, are we going to gain enough points to finish in that, that, those positions? And you're talking, generally speaking, I don't know. 65 to 70 maybe is going to take you there and that's a serious run of form but we're, we're in good nick now aren't we what what's the sort of minimum tally of points in those next three games which would really give you a semi at it being achievable give us a semi <laughs> i think i've already got one to be fair 
if if Wolves is to get five points out of those next three games, is the passport definitely getting renewed if it isn't already? I don't think that'll be enough for top four. I think you're looking at you're looking at seven, really, um, and that's a, a push. I think you, there's a bit of a difference between Champions League form and top six. I think top six is now is achievable now. Um, barring any ridiculous fuck ups or injuries to key players, I just think it's a, it's a step too far, and that's not a bad thing to say. That yeah, because we we can't get in the Champions League because <laughs> they go look where we came from. But it'd be, I mean, uh, top half and top half would be amazing. The season we, we've had with the, the the starting point that we had with the squad and everything else and changing systems and all that kind of gubbins. I just can't see top four as as much as we'd all dream it and it'll be ridiculous and fun. I think it's a bit much, personally. But in hindsight, you can see why Arsenal celebrated like they won the league the other night with that league table, can't you? Because that was a massive win for them. Like it kept them kept them above us. Otherwise, it would have only been on goal difference, wouldn't it? You know, nil nil would have been would have been tight. But you know, it's it's a it's a it's going to be an interesting end of the season. I think from here, I think we should realistically be looking, you know, looking at 60, 60 points minimum uh, to finish the season on. And that's the best we've had since we came back up um, by by some distance. And when you think about, I, I, I mean, I'll probably go back and have a look at where that where, where that would have landed us over the last few years. But that's, a, that's phenomenal, you know, given that all the, the feelings around the club at the start of the season, the fact we got a new manager, we're introducing, you know, academy players into the team, you know, turning Max Kilman, former non-league footballer, into one of the best centre-halves in the country. Yeah, so many things. Lack of transfer activity. You could just point at um, all sorts of excuses why we, we shouldn't be up there. But, you know, Bruno Large, what a man, what a bloke. Potential coach of the year, like Rich mentioned the other week, if uh, if we could finish in those Europa places. Well, there's there's no, you can't even question it, can you? Other than the usual, let's give it to Pep because he won the league, all that kind of bollocks. Oh, but I'll be, I couldn't care less if he got it or not. It wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me. We know, you know, he'd be the people's champ, as they say. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, the 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 games. I mean, you, you look at them three: Leicester, Arsenal away, West Ham away. I'm more confident with them three than than Palace at home, just because that's how we are. And Le- Le- Leicester and West Ham are two teams that are not playing well at the moment. Um, exactly. And I, Arsenal, I, I, Arsenal's got a bit of bite to it now, hasn't it? That return fixture. Yeah, yeah it'll be an interesting game, but I, I expect us to play a bit better. Um, you know, having played them so recently, having probably a better understanding of how, of how they're going to turn up and, and set themselves up, and. I just think, like, people are always talking about, you know, making signings to kind of raise the level, you know, and improve and upgrade and stuff like that. But, I, you know, if, if you look at it from perspective of that would probably raise the ceiling of our performance. But I think the biggest thing that Bruno has done is raised the floor, the base level. You know, when we're shit, we're definitely not that bad. You know, there, there, there were times when Nuno's team while they could hit the heights that this Bruno's team probably can, you know, they play some thrilling stuff. They were incredible against some of the bigger teams in the league. I think when they were bad, they were really, really off it. 
but I really don't think this this Bruno side is is anywhere near as bad as what if if we aren't quite clicking, if we aren't quite at the at the races, they just still seem like they're going to be in a game and they might just scrape, scrape a result. Nuno's team had to play well to win, if you see what I mean. Hmm. Um, so in any of those games, I think they're three points up for grabs. And if we came out with twelve points. <laughs> how how it's you know it sounds ridiculous, but when you look at those games one by one, do you think Wolves can win them? Of course we can. Yeah. If we if we came out with and then with twelve points, you're looking at like snow angels in the in the canal and all that kind of could be it's it'd be it'd be more than dreamland. I mean if we came out with that with twelve points, you'd be looking at we'd be we'd be at least fifth. At the end of I, them four I games. think you get you get nine points out of those next four games. I think the momentum seals us at least to Europa place come the end of the season. With the with the injuries we have coming back, with the players that um can then you want us to be in the running for the Europa places as a minimum when Neto comes back. If we can be in the running, if he's at least eighty percent, you you've you've got to risk him. Quang you know, has, has got plenty to contribute rest of the season. You know, there's going to be competition for places. There's going to be a drive. You know, players want to get into the team. Players going to be pushing each other. And if you're not playing well, then you, your position is going to be at risk. So, yeah, that's that's probably what Bruno's really, really gunning for now. That they're throwing the gauntlet down to all the players in the team. Say, look, you know, you're going to have to be a good player to be in this Wolves team because the the rest of the boys are chomping at the bit. Sunday, four thirty. Is it on? Is that a Sky Sports Super Sunday game? That. Yep, it is. Leicester today uh, beat West Ham two one at home yesterday. West Ham, we're only as I said, four points behind them with two games in hand. I think their Europa League campaign uh, restarts uh, soon. So, out of those teams there, who's the likeliest not to finish in the European places? Well, at the minute, it'll be Man United. Hey, shit, they are. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they would, they were, you know, I kind of said it kind of frequently yesterday on Twitter that if you put them side by side and you pick one defend central defender for England, would you pick Harry Maguire in the absolute fucking shambles that he is at the minute or Max Kilman? It's no brainer. And I know he's not solely responsible for the mess that they're in there, but he doesn't bring confidence whatsoever. And they should have lost that game. Yeah, and yeah. they've got no, they've got no identity. You don't know what they're what they're doing from game to game. They're all over the place. At least, and West Ham have got the distraction. So <laughs> I'm kind of talking no. myself into believing this now that we could well, be in a shootout with Arsenal. Of course, but... the more we we know, but we know what's going to hold us back, and yeah. it's it's goal scoring. Bottom line, but even when you look at from the turn of the year, that's kind of addressing itself a little bit when you think about the fact that we scored three against Southampton. We got two at Brentford. We got two against Spurs. Yep. Nobody, nobody can say we're, um, you know, struggling to score goals at this current moment in time. Clearly, that was a problem for the first half of the season. But there's still, you know, green shoots to to kind of look at promisingly with with players to return again. Look at flipping out, boys. We're getting, we're getting <laughs> Europe. We're getting Champions League. It's happening. I was about to actually sing the uh, Champions League anthem then, but my <laughs> voice is still a bit rough from my weekend's activities. Um, 
let's get a bit silly for a moment. Earlier on in the week, Ruben Neves and John Ruddy went and had a bit of a game of billiards with former snooker champion Ken Doherty at the World Championships. Did you see any of that video, guys? I, mean, I watched when, it. Yeah, yeah. I was the, the same thing. I thought, do they have snooker in Portugal? Because <laughs> it's not something you associate with the Portuguese culture, is it snooker? <laughs> and he looked yeah. a bit terrified of the, the size of the, the table to, to start with. Well, he kept talking about a pool, didn't he? That he yeah, plays pool, basically. Like, for like a snooker world champion like Ken Doherty, it's got to rub you up the wrong way when someone compares your game to pool. <laughs> I mean, any Even anybody who's played the queue was proper pool, wasn't it? Yeah, anybody who's played on a snooker table and you know fancies himself as a pool player—that's that's a stretch. It's a stretch. I thought Ken Doherty had a, a, a quite a, a, a maniac type laugh as well. I think he was more terrified of John Ruddy than anything else. <laughs> John Ruddy landed the uh, double double into the middle pocket, which was quite impressive for the big guy. You don't mean it, though, do you? <laughs> you feel Can't... like a, a snooker table is a, a nice accessory for a footballer to have in their home, though. Don't you? you know, like it's one of those things you expect. Probably British players, you know, to just have a little, little, you know, bit of fun when when they want to wind down. It's a... great to see mm. them enjoying themselves on a on a week night. <laughs> quickly look back at the league table a second, Stu. That gap's starting to get a little bit bigger, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to mind it at all. Ten not... points, fifteen games to go. And uh, Harry, uh, good old HRH, got at him again day at the weekend. <laughs> oh, so yeah. it's like um, his picture of him pointing to the league table. Yeah, yeah. The, the bites keep coming for him. But, yeah, I, mean... I, I feel like they, they, they're getting they're getting quite a few compliments. Yeah, obviously they've they've signed. You know players like Coutinho and whatnot. And it's like, they're really not doing that well, though, still. I said it at the start of the season, and nothing's changed with Villa. It's all right having these attacking players, Coutinho, Brendia, Leon Bailey. But if you've got six players behind them who are an absolute dog shit, they'll always get outscored. They've got Tyrone Mings, that says it all. I mean, if, if any of us watch a Leeds game, that was just microcosm of, of Villa, the way they are. Yeah, fine. They've got players with a bit of quality in the final third, but they made Dan James look like a serious player. Like, <laughs> and I ain't being funny. He's playing up front, yeah, out of position, and he looked like he was going to get happy. He won a header against Tyrone Minks. Who's letting that happen? <laughs> well, that's not even a surprise anymore, is it? It's, I don't know why... Well, now we know Mings is, is in the England squad for the Bants. Him and Cody, little comedy double act in the in the in the bar at the end of the you know, at the end of the night, probably. That video of Roy Keane. I think was he talking about Jordan Henderson at the Euros? Talking about what does he actually do? Does he do magic tricks? What what is Tyrone Mings <laughs> yeah. in the England squad for? Because it must just be because Cody likes him. Yeah, can I bring a friend? He says to Gal, <laughs> "Can I bring a mate? Come on, come on, Gaza." It's great to see that we're going to have quite a few players at the World Cup in Qatar in 2022. Hopefully, Max Kilman can oust Tyrone Mings and we can have two in the England squad. Well, how about that, lads? And one that actually plays. Yeah. I mean, you think of it, them two and Stones, it's a pretty formidable back three, you know. Even even 
joking aside, the form that they're in, you can't really say you put Ben White and Webster maybe, but they're not as good as Cody and Kilman at this moment in time. They're just not. The thing is, you go like, you, um, let me sort of cast my mind back. Steve Bruce and Gary Person never got a run in the England team, did they? Considering they were Premier League champions every other season. <coughs> no, no, they didn't. But you, you can just see Kilman has all the attributes. You know, whether it be, is 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 he physically going to handle it? Yeah, well, clearly he's doing it at the top level. You know, you you just got to think the Premier League is is probably the highest standard of football anywhere in the world. You know, even the Champions League doesn't offer that necessarily at group stage and things like that. It, you know, you do get some minnows in there, so there's no there's no reason to then not expect him to handle the step up, especially with his quality on the ball as well. Yeah, guys. We're finishing top four. I'm saying it right now. We're finishing top four. <laughs> Third might just be out of reach, but we're finishing top four. I ain't going to get any sleep tonight now. I just think you guys have got me going. You've, saying you've already got a semi, so we'll, we'll leave it on that. No. <laughs> Gully, are you doing a GTA fancast this week? I am going to be doing a GTA fancast. I'm going to be having a look at a few things from the from the Spurs game, particularly um, why it worked with the three in the middle. And I think is 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 the one thing, and and how we go course horses for courses, and, and I'm going to do a little bit on Max Kilman just because I love the bloke. Stu Cage fighting this week. Uh, I presume so. <laughs> yeah, we'll be um, we will be doing a top five of top five game to film adaptations in the uh, next few weeks. I, I should have made that. Clear to the people who didn't know that you've got, you've got a different podcast called Cage Fighting that you're yeah, not actually Cage Fighting this week. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not doing any MMA. Just uh, I know I'm not, be... I'm not built like it now, but <laughs> not too much. That'll be a good watch show, Stu. Can I be honest? Uh, Stu versus and pay good money for that. I'm pay good money for that. There's there's plenty of people who'd want to volunteer to keep me apart. So. <laughs> But they've got yes. to get through me first, Stu. And on that <laughs> note, we'll see you for the preview show later on in the week. <laughs> it would be a wolf, eh? You see it every day. The first dollar you earn from your first customer. Now it hangs on your wall at headquarters. A reminder of where you started and the promise of what's still to come. In part because you rely on Sandy Spring Bank to help you make the right choices on real estate and equipment loans, treasury management, and commercial services. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. When you're drinking a frozen beverage from McDonald's, your brain may not like how refreshingly cold it is, but the rest of your body, oh yes, it's going to relish every moment of it because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get all the chill you need for just $1.69. From any size frozen drink, like a frozen Fanta Blue Raspberry, to a new ice-cold lemonade. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.